believe the Lord always has something prepared. Thou preparest a table before me. And we're not in the presence of any of our enemies here this morning. We're all brothers and sisters here, but thou preparest a table before me. And I believe that it's, it's up to us to eat. Now, I know our family, we're a good eating family. We don't have anybody in our family that doesn't like to eat. So we come together, boy, whether it's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's a good one. We got the turkey and the, the stuff. Oh, man, I mean everything. And the, and the girls bring stuff, and, and we've got it all. And we sit down there. No one has to eat. You don't have to eat this morning. You don't have to. But blessed are those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They're the only ones that are going to be filled. That's it. That's, it's an exclusive club. It's just for the eaters. And when it's not hungry, you don't get nothing. But the Lord sets a table. Amen? And so we're going to look in his word this morning. I want to read some scripture out of the book of Hebrews. I want to go to uh, the, um, I believe it's the, yes, the fourth chapter and the sixth verse. And so I want to read, and I'm going to have to hold it a little closer. I didn't bring my glasses up here, so I'm, We'll see what we can do with this. Um, beginning at the um, sixth verse, Therefore, since it remains for some to enter into it, and those who formerly had the gospel preached did not enter in on account of disbelief or disobedience, he again marks out a certain day saying in David, Today, after so long a time, so it's current, Today, after so long a time, according as he said, today, if you hear his voice and do not harden your hearts. For if Jesus had given, or Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken about another day. So then there remains a rest for the people of God, for he, entering into his rest, he himself also rested from his works as God had done from his own. Therefore, verse 11, therefore let us labor to enter into that rest that not anyone fall in the same example of disobedience. Now here's what, kind of where we're going. For the word of God, the logos of God, is alive, living, and powerfully working, and sharper than every two-edged sword, even piercing as far as the dividing a part of both soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. Can everybody say heart with me? And there is no creature unrevealed before him. But all things are naked and laid open before to his eyes, with whom is, it says our account, but it really is the Logos of God. So, Lord, we pray this morning that you would help us. We can take a subject matter out of the Scripture and we can talk about it. Or, Lord, we can take something and you can anoint it. So we ask you, Lord, just lay your anointing on it. Lay your anointing on the, on, the, on the speaker and on the hearers. That your word means something to us this morning. That, that it will really begin to do some things in our life. We pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And amen. Now, I want you to uh, just stretch with me this morning. There's just this scripture I've read so many times. I've preached out so many times, so many numbers of times, and really just have a, a different kind of a different view on it this morning, a little bit different cast. There's several different things in this reading that we just had. I just want to highlight, just touch a few of them because to me, there's, there's something more here than, than just some kind of a 
response or honor that the Word of God is so powerful and quick and sharp. And, and uh, sort of that verse is thrown around quite a bit in Christendom. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And, and so we kind of, you know, if I quote some verses, then, uh, you know, if the power and, and work of God is there. I've seen, like I've said before, I've seen a lot of people that could quote verses and they were dead. The verses were dead and their life was dead. So to say that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, the Mormon church also uses this Bible. Jehovah Witness also use this Bible. So to say that this Bible is going to cut through everything, I, I just can't go there. But the Logos of God, the Logos of God, Reasoning, intention, and purpose more than just what is spoken, but what's behind what is spoken. The thought and intent of what God has determined to do is powerful. Powerful. And then I want to look at another thing. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And so when we, when we look, kind of look at this, this, this isn't like the sword that Peter had. Remember, Peter had a sword and he chopped off the guy's ear. And... Uh, Jesus had to put it back on his head, you know. Put up your sword, Peter. Well, this, it uses the same word for sword, but really when, it, when you talk about sharper and, and, and couple these words together, this, this is a surgeon's knife. This is not a sword that's flaying out there and just hacking and hewing and cutting. This is something that is precise. And that's why it says that it can cut between and separate. And so now we look at the human body. And if those of you that have had surgeries, and some of you here may have had some major surgeries. I know that Kay has, and probably some of you others have had some, some major things. The tool that they're going to use there. Is, is not a, you know, a buck honey knife. That's, no, that's for skinning a buck, somebody. That's not, don't. No. We get down in there. And we get up in there. It's, you know, we are going to use a tool that is so sharp that it can divide without ruining or cutting either side, can divide apart. And so this is the reference when we look at this, this scripture is not the scripture or, or not the, 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 the word of God hacking and hewing on us. But surgically dividing in us. We say the boy, I'll tell you, it's a fine line between soul and spirit. I don't understand all the difference between soul and spirit, but the Lord does. Joint and marrow, that's some fine cutting right there. And so with this scripture, I, I want to talk to you about heart surgery this morning. Heart surgery. The Lord's kind of been dealing with me on this for a while about the heart Today, <clears throat> I'm sorry we wheeled you all in here, but you're having surgery. And I gotta, I gotta prepare for that. You know, I gotta get my get psyched up. I know, me personally, I've never had surgery, and so if I did, you know, it'd be like, wow, I don't, I gotta get ready for this. It might take me a month, you know. Um. So God wheeled you in here this morning. And I want to talk about heart surgery. I'll talk about heart surgery. This has been, it's been laying in my spirit, and, and I really do think there's an answer here this morning on some things. And so um, just listen along with me and amen. And so we'll push you out here to, to uh, pre-op. Got you all in pre-op this morning. We're not going to start surgery yet. We're going to go to pre-op first. Because we want to talk about a couple of things before we go into surgery. 
Um, the Logos of God, which became man, became flesh, the only begotten of the Father, that one who is flesh, son of man, spirit, Yahweh God. Something says about him that he holds all things to, together by the power of his word. That's a one-man show. He holds all things. Everybody say all good that's good the reason why i ask everybody to, to repeat something is so i can get attention okay that that's all i'm doing I'm not, I'm not trying to force you into vocal aerobics here but all things are held together by the power of his word how many believe that this morning okay so we we got to qualify we've got to do a little pre-op here because because his word at his word Blinded eyes were open. At his word, deaf men heard. At his word, leprous men were cleansed from leprosy. At his word. See, he holds all things together by the power of his word. At his word, dead men were restored back to life. His word is all-powerful. But even greater than these sorts of things that he did in ministry, blind eyes and lame and lepers and calling back the dead, even greater than this is the things that he taught. I, I think we've kind of lost that, especially in the, the charismatic movement. Signs and wonders mean more than his teaching. Mm -hmm. We get to a place where signs and wonders mean more than the teaching. When worship and shouting means more than the teaching. When church stuff means more than his teaching. We've got a problem because, because this, his teaching, is what Christianity hangs on. Every single word. It is the constitution of our faith. Is his words. There's a lot said about our Constitution of the United States and, and, you know, our Supreme Court interpreting what the Constitution says and, and just a lot of stuff going on with that. But we, we've kind of forgot that the Constitution of our faith is the words of Jesus Christ. And so in order to find out what this kingdom is about, what this government is about, you're going to have to go back to the Constitution, and it is the words of Jesus Christ. His words are powerful. He is the author and the finisher of our faith, right? And so His word is above all word. Salvation and forgiveness, new birth from above, life and life more abundant, eternal life to those who believe in Him and trust in Him. This came out of His mouth. Now you might say this morning, and, and, and this is you know kind of the devil's work, the flesh's work to come back to you, to say, yeah, your sins are really not forgiven. They're just hanging there. You think they're gone. But I'm trusting the words of Jesus Christ this morning that I didn't redeem myself. I didn't do enough good stuff to take care of my problems. But Jesus himself has redeemed me from the power of sin. I believe his words. His words go beyond. That's why the scripture said, if your heart condemns you, God is greater. God is greater. So, Jesus never made a verbal mistake. How many believes that? Say amen. He never made a verbal mistake. Now, oops, I didn't mean to say that. Or let me rephrase that. That's, that's a little too hard. Let me, let me rephrase that for you to make it a little more comfortable for you. No, what he said, he said. I, I think it's us. I think it's preachers. I think it's churches and, and, and leaders that try and soften the words of the Lord in order for us to be able to receive them better. But His Word stands alone. He doesn't need help. He doesn't really need explanation. 
He doesn't really need us to break down what he said to mean something different. But his words are what they are. He never made a verbal mistake or he never made a clerical error in his word. Now, men have touched it. Men have done things. and Men have changed some stuff. But the word of the Lord is right and pure and good and holy and clean. And like I said, our Christian faith hangs on his words. There's no salvation outside of him. So the point is this. You either believe that he is and speaks with absolute truth. Or you just believe he's like anybody else and he has some truth. The Lord doesn't have some truth. The Lord is all truth. I am the way, the truth. That's a, that's a really big statement because that means there is no other truth. That all truth begins with him. And so we either believe that he is absolute truth. There isn't anything else but him that measures up to truth. Or we don't believe he possesses truth at all. There's other ways to get to God. We're all ships on an ocean that, you know, we will all eventually, the wind's blowing, we will all eventually get to God. Jesus is the best way. You know, kind of inferring that there's other ways. Jesus, these are statements, some of these are made by prominent preachers. But let me tell you this, these men are liars working for Satan. They're on their way to a devil's hell, and they're taking as many as believe their dogma and their heretic gospel, they're taking as many as they can with them. We'll make it plain and simple, Jesus is the truth. His way is right. His words are right. His gospel is right. Everything he said is right. Now, I'll admit, and with you, I'm, I'm going to let you admit this yourself, but I will admit that I have thought at times that what the Lord said, maybe, maybe, he's, maybe he's just a little overbearing in an area. But I was wrong. He was right. He's absolute truth. He is all of heaven's truth and heaven's glory. And so we're going to get you out of pre-op now. I'm going to roll this thing towards the operating room. Heart surgery. I was reading in Psalms, the 37th chapter, and I've been just going back and reading through the Psalms and, and, and also reading New Testament, but reading the Psalms. And I was... The, I think it's the 11th, 11th verse of the 37th chapter. It says this. The meat shall inherit the earth. And uh, I said, I've heard that before somewhere. And of course, you know where it is. It's in the blessedness, the Beatitudes. What we call the Beatitudes. Really, they've just taken that, that word, Marcario, and, and made it uh, to say, Beatitudes, it really is the blessed does. The blessed does. Blessed are those. So Mark, or no, it's Matthew 5 and 5. Jesus in the Beatitudes said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's the same exact quote that came out of uh, David's mouth back in Psalms 37, 11. And so the Lord begins to deal with me that, that we need to go, we need to go to, uh, Matthew 5 again in the Beatitudes. I've heard a lot of sermons about the Beatitudes. How many have heard like quite a bit of sermons? Just nod your head, you know, about Beatitudes. The Beatitudes um, are not the full of the gospel. But like I said, they came out of the mouth of the Lord and they are real. Well, let's time date those because we just want to put that back. No. He didn't really speak and say, these are for pre-cross and, and something else is for after-cross. He, he spoke these things, and so um, we're going to deal with them a little bit. 
and just see what this is about. I, I went back here and I said, Lord, I need a new, fresh understanding of Matthew 5 and 6 and 7. I, I need a fresh understanding of that because I'm going to be honest with you. I have struggled at some of the things that Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I'm going to be honest with you, so have you. Let's just, let's just go over real quick here. Love your enemies. I'm telling you right now, I don't love my enemies. I know you all do. Just let your neighbor's dog come over and do something on your lawn, you'll find out. I mean, just that much, right? Let somebody cut you off in a parking lot, in a, in a, in a you know, driving down the road, which happens all the time here in Oklahoma. One thing about Oklahoma is they cut out in front of you. I don't know. You just, you're barreling along and out they come. And they're going slow. Your enemies, those people that you just... It's, and, and so Jesus addresses this, and, and, and we'll go over it here in just a second, but I don't love my enemies. I love my brethren. I love my country. I love my family. I love those that are good people. Good people, I love them. I don't love bad people. I do not like to turn the other cheek. It's not in me. I know it is in you. But it's not in me. Last time I had somebody smack me in the cheek, I did not turn the other cheek. I'm sorry, I didn't do it. I had him on the ground and I was whipping him pretty good until they pulled me off. It's not in me to turn the other cheek. Somebody, bang! I go, oh, that's good. Just turn the other cheek. It's no problem, man. I'm just, I'm just good with it. I don't know anybody that's good with it. Not one person. There's not one person sitting here this morning Especially you men. Probably the women a little bit more, you know, just get down and cry. And, but you men are going to rise up. There's something in you that says, uh-uh, you ain't doing that. I mean, you can do some things, but you're not doing that. And so I'm struggling with that. But, but this, this, these were Jesus' words, the, the one who is all truth. I'm going to struggle with this a little bit. Give to those who come asking you for money. I really need to explain this away because it's my children, absolutely. The brethren, absolutely. But just some Joe come up wanting some money, Ugh. I'm not so good with that. We used to do it at the park. You know, you don't have it here. And so you Oklahoma people don't understand this unless you go to Tulsa. But where we were, everybody was flying signs. You couldn't go into... Walmart, Costco, everywhere. They're flying signs. They're out by the, the, the turn uh, to get on the freeway, on ramps. And they've got, they got I thought about selling a, a kit at one point, a bucket, uh, a piece of cardboard so they could write on them out of gas and a gas can and sit there with that sign. That's just what they do. They're everywhere. We tried to give. I'm no good at giving somebody. The sign says, um, <clears throat> need food, will we'll work for food. I tried it several times. I had things to do at the church. I'd pick them up, take them over to the church. They didn't want to work. In fact, they didn't even want the food. I give them the food and they didn't even eat it. That's what they wanted. They wanted cigarette money. They wanted booze money. And so in my heart, I'm like, I'm done with this deal. I struggle to go the extra mile. I know you don't, but I do. I guess this is a preacher's confession this morning. I really don't want to go beyond what I really have to do. Right? Amen. Especially when it comes to government and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, I don't want to go any further than what I have to do. 
And then Jesus said, if they take your take the shirt off your back, give them the coat too. I don't understand this, Lord. You want me to stand out in an ice storm with no clothes on? Shall we go on? Leave your gift at the altar and make amends with your brother. It's just stuff that, that I just, I'm to, I, I, no, I, I don't know how. I don't know how to do that. Do good to those who treat you wrong. No. No. I'll get even. I let it go for now, but I'll get even. And everybody knows me, you know, I do that. And so, so here's the deal. In the past, I have like tried to plan ahead so that when it happens, if it happens, I'm going to be ready to go. But see, the problem is, is that you can lay the plans down for that and prepare for that, and that same exact scenario which you've prepared for will not happen. Something else will happen, and you're not prepared for that one. Isn't it funny that Jesus said, okay, if you are arrested and go before magistrates, don't plan what you're going to say. <laughs> that, that, that flies in the face of, of you know, just personal defense your lawyer gets up there and he's going to say a whole bunch no Jesus said no don't do that I will give you what to say wow just get up and and Lord you got to help me here I'm I'm in front of the magistrate and but I believe Jesus can you say amen I believe Jesus so so we're going we're gonna to look at this in a little bit different direction. The Lord, show me something else is going on here. Something else is going on here. See, the people that he was teaching, they were a product of the law. The law of the Old Testament really is parallel to the law of the knowledge of good and evil. That's, that's really what the Old Testament law was about. Do this, do that, don't do that. Don't offend here, don't do that. It just rule after rule after rule in the law. The, the knowledge of good and evil, and the Scripture verifies that. It said that it was for to wake up the conscience of man so that we would know there is a right and there is a wrong. You know, the Ten Commandments that, that they've taken out of the courthouses now, and I believe in that. I believe that, that, that we can do uh, law according to the Ten Commandments. They're right and they're good. But those Ten Commandments are everything that we do by the power of the flesh. But the law was powerless to enable you as the hearer. It is powerless. Romans, the 8th chapter and the 3rd verse. The law is powerless. It will tell you what's right and wrong, but it will give you no help in doing what's right and wrong. If that wasn't bad enough, then Jesus is going to ramp it up. You have heard that it was said. I'm not talking about the law. You have heard that it was said Thou shalt not, but I say unto you. Now, I'm going to lift the bar a little bit. You've heard it said, don't murder. Well, I'm going to say to you, if it's in your heart, you have murdered them already. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery. I mean... Wow. I'm reminded of the preacher hotline. Preachers that are addicted to porn. So they can call an 800 number. And talk to somebody about their addiction. 
they're living a complete lie. There is no excuse for it. Jesus said, you look on the woman. There, listen, brethren, sisters, there's no excuse for pornography in the church. Period. From the pew to the platform, anywhere. It's just not acceptable. But I say unto you, and so he lifts the bar time and time again. Now, all those things that were really almost unattainable in the old law, now they are impossible to keep. And so, let me tell you something. I believe the Lord is saying. This is not about conduct. It's about heart. The Lord's been working on me with this for a while. You can try and get your conduct right and your heart be wrong. You haven't got anywhere. Nowhere. This is the thing that we're dealing with with, with all these holiness movements. Why are all their, their, not all of them, but a lot of their preachers are falling into to, to, you know, relationships and, and many of them, you know, becoming homosexuals. And right in the holiness movement, how can, how can in the holiness movement, I mean, I could understand that out in, you know, kind of the, 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 uh, the easy go lucky church, you know, atmosphere, but right in strict holiness, why is that happening in there? Because I want to tell you something this morning. Holiness is not about conduct. Holiness is about heart. I'm not going to leave it there, but... So Jesus lifts... He lifts the Beatitudes... In the Beatitudes, He lifts them to a place that it is impossible for you to do in conduct. I'm talking slow, so it all you know, kind of sink in a little bit. Because we've been taught, do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. I'm not teaching that this morning. I'm all done with that. I've tried to get people to heaven, and I'm all done. I've tried to get people to serve the Lord. I'm done. I am absolutely done. I will not try and get people to serve the Lord. The problem is, I can clean them up on the outside, but I can't clean them up on the inside. See, this thing can't be done under human willpower. You cannot be a Christian by human willpower. Well, you can belong to the moose and the elk and, and uh, all the lodges. You can do all that stuff. You can belong to health clubs and all. You can belong to a lot of things by, just by good old-fashioned willpower. But you cannot be a Christian by willpower. Something else is going on. The heart needs surgery. This is the issue with the general church. This is the issue. Not conduct. Not worship. Not preaching. Not having classes. Having something for everybody and everything. That's not the problem with the church. The problem is the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? It's the center of our being. I, it, when we look at the heart now, not just the thing that's pumping inside of us, that would be the center of the human man, the flesh man, the heart that's pumping. But there is a parallel within us that is the spirit heart within us. And out of the heart, I, I've got to say a few things about the heart. Jesus said in, in Luke 6.45, the good man brings forth good out of the good treasure of his heart. The evil man brings out uh, evil out out of the evil treasure of his heart. For his mouth speaks out of the abundance of his heart. Proverbs 4.23, out of the heart flows the issues 
of life. Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart come forth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnessing, blasphemies, and these are the things defiling a man. And so I'm going to have to say this morning that there has to be the first thing that God does in our life is not clean us up. I'm sorry. The first thing He does is not deliver us just out of you know some of the sins and forgive us. The first thing He's got to do in our life is change our heart. He's got to do heart surgery on us because out of the heart comes the issues of life. I want to tell you this, is that what you're doing, where you're failing, what's going on with your life, it's coming out of your heart. It's there because it hasn't been cleaned by the power of God. Sometimes we reserve things in our heart. See, if we go back to, to David and the anointing, I think I did that, read that last week, where, um, where Samuel said, God told him, he said, don't look on the outside man. God doesn't look on the outside man. Do you believe that? God does not look. On the outside appearance. Point blank. He looks on the heart. But out of the heart are the issues of life. You're not going to act and look like a devil if your heart's right. Pastor, why aren't you preaching clothesline? You know where I came from. They preached clothesline. Man, it was hard. It was tough. Preach about, you know, certain things you wear, certain things you don't wear. Listen, I want to tell you this. If your heart gets right, you'll know what to wear. You'll know how to wear and how to look because your heart is right. And out of your heart is coming the issues of life. And if Christ is in your heart, there coming out of there will be a sensitivity of how you live and how you conduct your life. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there. Right there, right there. So I don't need to come and preach to you. And I mean, once in a while, we need to say some things about some things. Yes. But I don't need to keep harping on people. Somebody said not too long ago, you haven't preached about drinking in a long time. If the Lord's in your heart, I don't need to preach about drinking. So where does all that stuff come from? You know, pastor, people comparing. We had a... We had a girl that, that compared. This is this is great. Actually, she was, you know, not just a girl. She was in her late teens. And said, I don't think there's any difference in drinking beer and going to a football game. Well, we were involved in football games. So, you figure that one out. You don't... You don't see any difference in that? I know a guy, good, supposed Christian man. He said, well, people go, you know, they spend $100 on, on uh, eating out or, you know, doing something. He said, I just take $100 and I go down and gamble. Didn't see any difference. What is making you want to gamble? What is making you want to parade yourself, your body out in front of people in, in, a, in a bikini or, or, or walking around like that? What, what's doing that? It's not that. It's whatever's going on in your heart. See, that's where the problem is. The surgery doesn't need to take place on the outside. It needs to take place on the inside. So I want to argue issues. You know, somebody said, man, you know, the Bible doesn't speak about marijuana. What's wrong with marijuana? Listen, if Jesus Christ is in your heart, you'll know. And if he's not in your heart, I'm not going to argue with you about those kind of things because the Lord himself is going to lead the person that has a right heart and he's going to lead them to the right things. Can everybody say amen? Boy, that really puts the bee on our back. Ah, you know, Pastor, I want you to tell me, give me a list of things. No, we're all done doing that, right, Brother Dustin? The law did that. The law did it. It gave you right and wrong, right and wrong, right and wrong. And, and you just, you know, you went down and the priest told you on, you know, on the Sabbath, you went down and he told you right and wrong, right and wrong, now go do it. 
That's why we're not under the law. We're under something that is way more powerful than the law. There's some things that aren't written in the law that the Spirit of the Lord's going to do in your heart and convict you of that's not even named in the law. So, wow, that's just... So, with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. Then, with the mouth, conduct, confession made unto salvation. You don't confess salvation unless your heart is changed. And there's a lot of people doing it, but their heart's not changed. Let's look at the Shema for just a second, okay? The Shema. Hear, O Israel, I shall love the Lord thy God with... Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. I shall love the Lord thy God with all thy... with the whole of thy... What? What's first? It's in succession. The Lord wrote it that way on purpose. First is your heart. If you can't get through that, don't even worry about the rest of it. Because your mind will never work that way. Your emotions and soul will never work that way. And surely your physical body will not carry it out if it's not in your heart. So the first thing is, you love the Lord your God with all your heart. And we've tried to teach people to love them with your soul, love them with your strength, love them even with your mind. But your heart, you know, that's... that's back there and that that's still not clean it's not going to happen in your life so the lord is saying this morning is what he is doing is wheeling us into the surgery room to fix our heart he's not here to fix the outside man the heart is going to fix the outside man is everybody okay so well, i never heard it quite like that well that's that's okay that's okay like the 1700s uh english poet his name was alexander pope he made a very good, true observation. To err is human. To forgive, divine. I'm sure you've all heard that. That is so accurate. To forgive is not human. Quit trying to forgive as a human. It's not going to work. It doesn't come from humanity. Get even comes from humanity. Tooth for a tooth comes from humanity. Eye for an eye. I can deal with that. I'm good with that part of the law, right? Somebody socked me in the eye, I'm socking you right back in the eye. So the Lord gives us something that you can't do in order for us to understand it's a heart issue. The Beatitudes are not conduct issues. They are heart issues. Does everybody know what I'm saying? Say amen. Okay. I'm just going to tell you just one experience that I had. Some of you have probably heard it before. I'm coaching Little League, and they vote me in to be the um, the all-star coach. Okay. So on that team, we have the variety of the best kids off of each, off of each team there in Cottonwood. And there were several teams, and so the best kids. And, and one thing that you have to understand is that if you are a coach in Little League or especially in All-Stars, you have parents and grandparents sitting in the crowd whose children playing are All-Stars. The problem is you have either 12 or 14 kids on a team and there's only nine that can go on the field, right? And so there are at least five sets of moms and dads that are really, really upset when their child isn't playing. I mean, like super upset. I'd been praying, Lord, do some things in my life, change my heart, my attitude, and some things, and so... So he gave me an opportunity. See, remember I told you what you're planning on won't happen, but something else will. And so we're playing along there, and, and uh, Rodney's on the team. My own son, he's on the team, and, and um, the boy that was pitching, he got tired. We were doing good. He got tired, and he was throwing them in the dirt, and they were going to the backstop. And, man, they were running the bases on us, and I just I had to take him out. He was our best pitcher. I had to take him out. 
And, you know, after the whole thing, Rodney was over on first base then, and, and we lost. We lost by one, I think, or two. I don't remember what it was. We get all done with the game, and what I was not prepared for happened. In just talking to the people, you know, telling the boys, hey, we'll, you know, we'll try it again. We've got another game, so, you know, we're going to try and get it together and all that. And, and a set of parents and grandparents came up to me. I had taken their boy out from pitching. And so they began to tell me I was wrong. Well, you know, that's, hey, it's your opinion. And it was time to take him out. Why would you take my boy out? You put your, your boy, you put him at first base, and he's just like a cripple. Well, at that time, Rodney had been having knee problems and had, had after that, to have some surgeries. Let me, I don't know. At that moment, the Spirit of God came over me. Because I'm not that guy. I'm the guy that were rolling around on the ground. But the Spirit of the Lord comes over me. And he goes on. You're terrible. You're a rotten coach. You shouldn't be here. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And when he got all done, it was a mir- one of the great miracles of my life. One of the great miracles of my life. I put my hand out, and I shook his hand. I said, Dave, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to treat your kid any different than I ever have. I'm going to do the right thing. And I turned around and walked away. And I was like, it was like, almost like I was in a trance. Did I just do that? That didn't come out of the flesh. See, it came out of the heart. Something that you're not prepared for. I want to tell you this. Life's going to give you a lot of turns. And God's going to give you a lot of opportunities to show that something in your heart is beginning to change. And this is where God is dealing with us. It's in our heart. Forget about this old man. Get that heart. Get that heart before God. Search me, O oh God. And know my heart. David turns to God. He knows he's wrong. He says, cleanse me, O oh God. Create in me a new heart. Don't you give me another chance. Give me some forgiveness. Give me the, the Christian church is looking for forgiveness instead of a heart change. We're looking, God, you know, hey, I'm wrong. I, I realize I'm wrong. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Now, all of you that want forgiveness, raise your hand and repeat after me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. There's no salvation there. Sorry, there's no salvation there. There's only salvation in a changed heart. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Then with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Mm. So, in closing, today after such a long time, who do you think he's talking to? <laughs> he's talking to the sinners? He's not talking to the world? Paul, which we believe wrote the book of Hebrews, is talking to the church. Today, after such a long time, see, we can hide our heart for a long time. People don't know it. Nobody sees it. We're the only ones that really know it, and we kind of put it off and don't even really deal with it. But today, today, not tomorrow, not yesterday, not at the next big meeting, not at revival, in-time, outpouring revival. No, no, none of that. We're not talking about that. Today, after such a long time, it's been a long, long time. But today, if you will not harden your heart, I'm not going to surgery. Not me. I'm good. My heart's working great. <laughs> The doctor says, no, you're all plugged up. No, no, I'm good. And Jesus says, you're all plugged up. You know, things of, I, I, I mean, we can just say, well, you know, I said a prayer and everything's good. Or we can say, God, 
Search my heart. If there be any unclean way in me, that's not a sinner talking. That's a saint talking. Cleanse my heart, O God. And so today, after such a long time, if you will not harden your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ will take scalpel in hand, scalpel, and begin to do surgery. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me, this is what I pray, change my heart, oh God, make it ever true, change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. Heather, would you come and play that a little bit? I'm just going to challenge you to something right now. I don't normally do this. But I think with this, I just feel like when the Word of God goes out, it's like a mirror, the Lord said, right? Book of James. He said it's like a mirror. That's when we see who we are. And so, Lord, change my heart. But this morning, today, after such a long time, I, I want to soften my heart to you, Lord. I want to soften my heart because I realize that out of my heart, every issue, everything I do, every attitude, every conduct is coming right out of that heart. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. Would you just find a place to pray? I mean, if you can bend a knee, if you'd like to come up in the front, Just say, Lord, it doesn't matter if you're a 20-year Christian, a 100-year Christian. Change my heart, oh God. Would you just find a place just to say this to the Lord this morning?